Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian and writer Dane Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from philosophy to existentialism to nihilism, fatalism, ecology today. Mm, interesting. Yeah, there's, the protest uh, has begun today uh, for extinct, the extinction agenda. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I am more than behind the sentiment. Mm. I become somewhat dispirited when I walk past loads of misguided posters on the underground. Right, yeah. So I feel like we're not really slowing down. Mm, that's not really going to help anything, is it? Also, but like, it does raise some yeah. awareness, so we'll give them that, wouldn't we? It does raise awareness. We ask all the questions, though, don't we? We Dave? do ask all the questions. We, we definitely we'll, do. We'll, we'll, que- we'll question the Extinction Rebellion people. That's oh, yeah. Fine. And also, uh, what's up with Peace Express? They're in trouble. Damn. Yeah, you have to deal with that. that- the Doughballs, basically, mate. That's, That's messed up. Yeah, feel bad, man. The death of the high street. It is just a ball of dough, basically. It is, but it's a good ball of dough. You get, like, garlic butter with it as well. You can come over to my house. I'll make you better Doughballs. It's fine. You know, it's that kind of talk which has brought that company to its episode. <laughs> <laughs> a good point. I hope you're happy. Anyway, this is a podcast that asks all the questions. All the questions you'd like, uh, which I'm sure you're aware of. If you're new to the show, thank you very much for listening. And if you like the show, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And enjoy. Uh, with this in mind, uh, on today's show is a very special guest. This guest is a British journalist, author and broadcaster. He is a columnist for the Guardian newspaper and writes a monthly column for the nation beneath the radar he has written five books including Another Day in the Death of America the story behind Martin Luther King's dream and No Place Like Home a black Britain's journey through the deep south he's made several radio and television documentaries on subjects ranging from gay marriage to Brexit it's the iconic Gary Young how you doing? I'm good sir how are you? I'm fine thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me it's my absolute pleasure I am always inspired by those who are actively using their platform to engage with some of the more regressive ideologies that seem to be returning uh, to, uh, I guess, well, no, making a resurgence. I won't say they've disappeared. But, yeah, yeah, we thought some of them had disappeared, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've not always, disappeared, never disappeared. But maybe reduced or yeah. have become somewhat enlightened. Yeah, I thought that kind of lots of people over the last, like, 30 years, that more people's minds have been changed. Mm-hmm. It turns out they just shut up. And yeah, they were, and they were waiting <laughs> yeah, for they the moment. Up. Yeah, you're waiting for the moment. And they're like, yeah. oh, go! Yeah, know? or yeah. yeah, I feel like I guess uh, as technology has increased, uh, I think the mindset of many people have regressed because technology enables some of these more aggressive ideas. I feel I always say that uh, racism. Uh, oh, I should say racial rhetoric, because I want to make sure there is a distinction between mm. racism, which is a system, mm. uh, and racial rhetoric, which is the narrative that backs mm. that system. And uh, I also feel like it's like grime music. 
kind of went underground in the early noughties <laughs> and we only, only like the working class and people outside of London stayed faithful to it mm. and now because of the internet it's been able to make a comeback so, <laughs> <laughs> and what, what a comeback yeah it's more popular than ever now it's got yeah. festivals and everything yeah, yeah. Really, part, really part of popular culture again so <laughs> and emboldened, emboldened massively emboldened by yeah. the people at the top yeah, you know indeed yeah well it, it, it's it's got to the point where you'd almost just kind of look at so much prejudice and the, the and, and and the kind of the, the rhetoric dumbing it down. I don't know if you saw recently the the Trump thing where he was saying, you know, I, I, he was trying to tell someone they were beautiful in this press conference. Yes, <laughs> which was an interesting scenario in the first place. Uh, and, yes. and and then he's trying to say you can't even say I can't even say you're beautiful anymore. The Me Too movement is stopping uh, people saying that no. you're beautiful. And it would kind of obviously a lot of people raise their hands to say no, we just don't want to be grabbed physically. By your horrible orange hands, but, yeah, yeah. But it speaks to the level of impunity that he feels he has now. Right. But what you're seeing is somebody who has historically said that to a woman, and she's more probably reciprocated. And he's always thought that was under the pretense that he had some kind of charisma, mm. not realizing that he's actually was a billionaire, and unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. human flesh is a commodity unto itself. So yeah. now that he's a civil servant, and people can be like. Ugh. <laughs> it's it's a very hard for the emperor to be told all the time that he's not wearing any clothes. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty much the complex that uh DT is dealing with. Yeah. I don't know if I'm happy with you shortening his initials. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't DT. See. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The, the the dark twisted overlord. <laughs> there you go. You know, Darth Darth uh, Darth Tubby. <laughs> there are, there's, there's a plethora of names. Yeah. And that's going and that's going to continue. I feel like he will become a part of a uh, everyday lexicon zombie like you trumped that up. Mm. <laughs> you're really trying to turn into a, like you know you'll be like how did it go meeting the parents turned into a real Trump fest yeah well I mean and what's weird is Trump it starts as a fart right that's what you yeah. know who trumped mm. and then it becomes a president yeah. and then it goes back to being a fart again somehow yeah. you know yeah. what I mean it, play your Trump card is the yeah, other one as well yeah yeah, yeah that's gone so, yeah. 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 yeah no one can do that now yeah. can't do that yeah yeah, yeah. That, that card's now a list of uh, acts of treason against the country <laughs> so no one's going to use that anymore um yeah. well that's the preamble done isn't it Dane that is the preamble very much done uh but yeah uh Led mostly by me, Gary. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How Very tricks fine. been? How how's been? Has it been fighting the good fight in inverted commas? Well, for the sake of objectivity, you know, it's um, it's a weird time. Mm. It's a very weird time to. I think Brexit drives people crazy. Yeah. I think Corbyn drives people crazy. Yeah. I think people kind of lose it. Yeah. About him, they lose it about Brexit. Trump. Is crazy, mm-hmm. and there's kind of no real way, you know. Quite often, people are like, "So, what do you think he was trying to do there?" You know, when he says, "Yeah, I think China should investigate," and you're like, "There's no strategy here. There's, there's no, no. There's no. This is a kind of um, it's a fa- it's a fucking family brothers film. <laughs> 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 this is what you're watching. Is like, yeah. what you do? Let China do it. Donald, don't say that loud." What's the worst that could happen? And they're like, ah, yeah. really? Come on, get me a cheeseburger. And then, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like with John Goodman. John Goodman was the president of the film, wasn't he? King Ralph? Oh, yeah, it's King, King Ralph. Yeah, King he, was, Ralph? he was a monarch. Yeah, yeah he was like yeah. very far removed. And then, I mean, could be that. I mean, King Ralph didn't grab anybody by the pussy. That's because it was a PG. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But yeah. there's somehow, there's this thing that people have that they want journalists to be, um, 
soothsayer, like predict, you know, like know the future, which I think they were never very good at. But particularly now, they're terrible. Yeah, at it. they get it all wrong. So when journalists are like, "Well, obviously this is going to happen," or nobody supports, co-, and you're like, "Well, you don't know, do you? You've got yeah. everything wrong for the mm. last." 10 years, a yeah. lot of them, like, look, let's start with Iraq and then just go through all the things you've got wrong since then. Oh, yeah. everything. So what do you want to, you know, what do you want to say now? And people yeah. want to kind of, but people still think, well, somebody should know what's going on. So they say, hmm. what do you think is going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. Nobody knows. It's yeah. like a play where all of the main actors are extemporizing they're all <laughs> just kind of winging it yeah and kind of the guy that started writing the place just kind of giving up yeah and um yeah. and so we and his financiers are like this place is too big to fail yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like i have no more ideas it was we are off script here and they're like yeah. exactly. it's people are watching it is too big to fail yeah there are advertisers involved yeah it's, i think yeah for satire it's been tough because now the truth is stranger than fiction. Mm, mm. It's what Chris so, Morris was saying. Yeah, yeah, so you can't even do parodies anymore or even be extremely allegorical. Because, you know, it was a film by Mike Judge who wrote Beavis and Butthead called Idiocracy. Uh, one of the great yeah. comedy films of all time. Yeah. yeah like, there's not many films that I really rate yeah. to watch again and again. But I mean, that's but incredible. Now, I mean, somewhat prophetic now. Yeah, we're on the way. We're not going there yet. Or the I campaign know. with Will, Will, campaign, Will oh, Ferrell. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's kind of, you know... That's, that's even more recent. Yeah, you yeah. see, we're not. We, yeah. We're pretty close. Yeah, um, we are pretty close. Well, it's time to begin the format of the show, Dane. Indeed, uh, as uh, it's, it's called, question everything. Indeed, which I, uh, although I suspect you may have had enough of, but uh, <laughs> the uh, format of the show, Gary, is that as our esteemed guests, uh, we invite you to ask the first question, any question you'd like, uh, about which we will uh, have a discussion of about fifteen minutes. Then Howard ask his question again. Mm. Uh, we will discuss. And then I will ask the final question, lather, rinse, repeat. And that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And people seem to like it, Gary. Really? So we're still, we're still recording wow. it. So and far, so good. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, so the floor is yours for the first question. So my question is, is there any point in black Tories? <laughs> so, <laughs> you get a small round of applause. It's very rare that people get an applause for that. I mean, we have this... Um, and let's, for the moment, just for the purposes of this conversation, Black B, Bame, or whatever you want to call it, non white. Yeah. We have Pretty Patel, we have Sajid Javid, we mm-hmm. have more black Tories than they've ever been. They're in positions of power. If they were all white, we would be saying, look at them. Look yeah. at them. Look what they do. Mm. They're not all white now. And so, can you say, well, it doesn't matter because they are. Hopeless, worse mm. than hopeless, actually, they're terrible. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Obama, mm. he wasn't a Tory, obviously, mm-hmm. but people said, this is brilliant, this is wonderful. There was a way in which it was, but actually the gap between black and white grew under Obama in mm. terms of uh, uh, wealth, not income, but wealth. Mm. Um, in many ways, people's life experiences if you were black got worse and yet still he was up there in every barbershop and mm-hmm. so we have these people we have this a pretty patel's talking about you know i can tell you was the daughter of an immigrant which she was a daughter of refugees actually not mm. refugees from uganda sajid javid said if his dad came to england now he wouldn't let him in 
I mean, I know he's not the Home Secretary now, but... But nonetheless, that's, yeah, that's an insane big statement. Okay, well, think, okay, well that's fine, but then don't talk about your dad. Like, if, <laughs> that, if you're going to say that your story is wonderful because of this, and then actively move to make sure that your story is no longer possible, then what's the point of your story? Yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, exactly. What is the point of your story? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think one of the, the things that comes out of that question... Uh, which is a, a very good question, is, is what is a Tory? Do you know what I mean? Because I think when you, when, you, when you think of it throughout history, it wasn't something that felt in any way ethnically diverse. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and when, yet when you look at the mindset that it's currently in, which is this kind of reformation of a right-wing attitude, it... It's clearly allowing people from a more Bane background in. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So that old school version of you know Thatcher's Tories is kind of seeming to kind of dissolve into this new one potentially. Mm. I I I don't I don't think we've had a time where there wasn't black Tories. I remember a contestant on Big Brother called Derek. Oh yeah, who was an openly gay black Tory, right. who I think himself had written speeches or co-written speeches for Margaret Thatcher. Mm. Suffice to say, his uh, views were much more in line with the Tory party than mm. that of the diaspora mm. in terms of his view of uh, certain... But then I guess you could argue that his views or his perspective was based on the same content that uh, Tories have for the working class in general, much less, you know, mm. a black or brown or, or white working class person. So, yeah, mm. very yeah. interesting views. I mean... Because black people, <laughs> we know this because at least two of us here are related to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. directly, can be gits, can be mean, can be, there's, like, there's no reason why market economics yeah. should be the preserve of, of white folk. Yeah. And, and just look around the world at different kind of uh, countries where black people are the majority mm. and are inflicting you know, economic and political pain on yeah. other black people. So it's not like neoliberalism is a kind of need to be, a re- needs to be a racialized thing. Mm. But in Britain and in most of the West, it has gone alongside yeah. this kind of very vicious, like, you know, there's no reason why you can't be neoliberal and not do Windrush. Yeah. Right? But they did. And, it, and somehow... That's not. That doesn't feel like an accident. Yeah. And so I kind of think you'd be right wing. Be as right wing, like even even Republican in your platitudes. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know myself. So far as my opposition to the idea of monarchy mm. uh, and some elements of taxation, and I say that because I feel like I should be playing for a civil service which has a racial bias towards me. Hmm. So I feel like if I'm going to get six times more likely to be stopped and searched by the police. I should only be paying a sixth of that tax towards that particular <laughs> service. <laughs> Since it's six times more incompetent where I'm concerned. Yeah. So in that respect, I People do have say some... you should pay six times more because you're getting six times the service. Oh. They're visiting you. Preparation treatment, yeah, exactly. It's like having private security detail. <laughs> but, yeah. Just my bodyguards. Yeah, it's my bodyguards. Really, really hands-on bodyguards. <laughs> they tend to rehearse on me all the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, and, and also, if I'm honest, I feel like... Well, actually, I've observed that there are certain elements of right-wing political ideology uh, in the film of, like, conservatism being rooted in, like, some Judeo-Christian beliefs, Mm. which I feel are very much shared by a lot of members of the diaspora, whether it's uh, 
the Windrush and successive generations mm. or West Africans who also, yeah. you know, who are, you know, who have seen increases in their membership for churches as opposed mm. to the decline you're seeing with like Anglo-Saxons. Mm. So uh, it's, it's, it's a strange one. I, I feel like in terms of there needing to be black Tories, I don't really think there needs to be, but that's only because I think the process of the diaspora entering into bipartisan political structures has been more of a process of assimilation mm. rather than having a caucus determine what needs benefit them the most. Quite often, m- my experience of a lot of Caribbean people, West African people, would mm. be s- more socially conservative. Yes. That they were, you know, treatment of children, women... Um, a lot more rigid ideas about, rigid like, ideas, gen- about like, you know, gender, gender and, and sexual orientation, yeah, theolo- and theology, and yeah, and all that kind but of then stuff. I could, but then I could argue that mm. that is a function of European paternalism. How do you mean? Because uh, our understanding, or I guess the, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> what I'm looking for, the, I guess the incarnation of Christianity that you see a lot of the time from West Africans or from the Caribbeans mm. is a function of colonialism right. as opposed to, you know, where Orthodox Christianity began in modern day Ethiopia and Eritrea. Mm. But that's not really the tense that we follow. Right. Like you'll find that most, you know, Caribbeans are Catholics. Mm. A lot of, I guess, uh, West Africans would be a lot more evangelical, maybe Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, even then, I feel like that's it's, these are more of the, uh, I guess, the uh, echoes of colonialism rather than a conscious decision to, uh, I guess, make this our, uh, I guess, our spiritual belief system. So I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, I, don't, yeah, I don't think there's any point of any black Tories, but I, just, I don't think there's any point of this diaspora in general trying to align themselves with any parties that currently exist on the spectrum of bipartisan politics right. because unless we galvanise as a caucus that serves our own needs first, mm. then none, no, no one has any real incentive to serve our needs because we don't really have a unified idea and voice to speak on things that affect us directly. Mm. But the, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Tory is a word for, in Britain. Yes. Uh, we have listeners from around the world. Uh, yet a lot of what we're discussing can be applied to other yeah. countries. Oh, yeah. Like the yeah. American, like, I was hearing someone about the other day saying the Republicans desperately trying to find uh, black Republicans and failing. Well, they have uh, one. But they, 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 they really are struggling to, well, they to have, raise I the... I guess Kanye is the one that's the most outspoken about it. And then there's this uh, Blexit that, uh, as a Candice Owens was encouraging yeah. for uh, black people to leave the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, and basically, a strategy of being like the, leaving the frying pan and jumping into the fire. Mm. But in terms of people running in 2020... Oh, so run, running candidates. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there will be. There will be. There is zero now. I think. Really? Which is it's I mean, pretty good going. Well, so, I mean, so, pretty but impressive. If you're, right? But if you're going to have a president that's endorsed by like David Duke and Richard Spencer, Ooh. and then have Steve Bannon being a member of your mm. administrative staff, yeah, it's not much. Of even argument, even even the most like I guess moderately black person, ideologically speaking, is or even the most liberal black person. I mean, even. Amorosa couldn't keep her job, right? So mm. is, is, is this going to be very difficult? So, I mean, I, for me, the point of the Black Tories, so far as providing any real uh, political representation, there isn't one. I mm. think, I guess, for the nefarious uh, plans of the said party to have an aesthetic which allows people to, you know, in the same way that, you know, arguably Obama mm. was a good face for the Democratic Party 
to kind of garner the black vote. I guess this is the way it works. So you know, there are some black and brown people who may be a few generations deep in the UK who enjoy a certain level of privilege. And there are certain elements to mm. uh, Tory manifesto that may benefit them. Mm. So they'd be more inclined to do that. But, you know, to say that if your dad came to this country, I wouldn't let him in. That's that's fucking insane. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> that's like, you're, so you are you are talking about like patricide. Yeah. Essentially, bad. because mm. your dad would have come here under the threat of death from Idi Amin. So. Oh, well, no, that was Sajid Javid. So he came from Pakistan, I think. Right. So I don't know that Preet Patel would say that, although she says lots of things. I don't think yeah. she wouldn't. Yeah. His thing was like, my dad came with like, you know, a fiver in his pocket. Now we wouldn't let him in. But back then, and um, I think my feeling is, look, either if you're going to revoke your story, then you have to relate it to, to now in a way that is positive. You can't just say, well, aren't I wonderful because this happened to me? While you're stopping anybody else from having that same experience, then you're kind of, then it's, it's not a lie. Exactly, you're saying, it's, a, it's a paradox yeah. because by you decrying this process, that you wouldn't be able to exist. Mm. So it's almost as if it's like an existential paradox. It's like, you know, in the same way that if I'm like, I don't, I don't think that like people should mix, but I have like dual ancestry, then by your token, you couldn't possibly exist. Mm. But then this is, but this is, you know, but I'd say that this is one part of the entire narrative you're seeing for like alt-right rhetoric now, mm. where these things don't really work in practice. Like, none of these ideas necessarily work in practice. Mm. Like you can't enjoy the benefit of global capitalism and, you know, outsourcing economic policies like protectionism and import and excise duties and tariffs yeah, and then have no domestic produce. You're leaving a single market. You have nothing, but you've never had anything other than your currency to compete with it in the first place. Yeah, And, that, and this is like, I'm not an expert by any stretch of imagination, but I did do a module on economics at university. That's enough for me to know yeah. if you don't have any resources by which you're able to participate in, uh, you know, import and export, unless it's your currency, which now in itself isn't strong anymore, then you're not particularly competitive. And it sounds like, in terms of no deal with Brexit or deals of Brexit, our only uh, leverage seems to be based on goodwill and imperialism. Because hmm. it's like, well, then, so what do we have to offer as a, as a country? What do well, we- so services, financial services, there are some th- things, you know, we've got a, well-educated population. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this isn't a particularly, we didn't have to work at this, but it's a well-educated English-speaking population. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, so, but I do think, I think it was a Danish foreign minister who said um, um, there's a distinction in Europe between countries that are small and countries that don't yet realise that they're small. Yes. Hmm. And that Brexit is one of those moments... Where they're going to realise. ...of kind of just banging headfirst into the reality that we're a small country. There was a time when ten times the number of subjects lived outside this country than inside yeah. it in India and mm. Ghana Hong and Kong, Barbados as you can see. and, Hong Kong and yeah. everywhere else. But now we're, you know, a little blob of spin sand and um, <laughs> sooner or later those fantasies are tested. Mm. And it's actually kind of interesting. I kind of learned this by reading a 
some book about kind of who who was who in Brexit, the number of the leave people in leave who kind of either grew up in Rhodesia or mm. who hmm. grew up in Kenya or um, Aaron Banks, who's kind of bank bankrolled the whole thing. He grew up in South Africa for a long time and his dad was... There were kind of all of these kind of colonial mm. links within that, yeah. in, in the upbringing of those people, which you don't want to be deterministic about it. Like, they could have decided to do something else. Sure. But I don't think it's entirely coincidental. No, but in terms of... Go back to the black Tories. What do you what do you think an alternative is for them? That's 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 the one thing uh, I suppose you could throw. throw well, out. I guess that kind of. I think I totally believe that black people can and should exercise free thought. Be if you want, if you're right wing, be right. There's nothing about being black that makes you left wing or socially kind of you know anything. It's our circumstances in this place and time that makes that kind of not inevitable but likely. Mm. We're more likely to be poor. We're more likely to need social service. You know, we're more likely to need communities. And our demands as relatively recent migrant communities, relatively recent over the last 50 years or so, Mm. is going to be for more distribution. So that's why we're kind of, uh, that's why we skew to the left. But that kind of, if that's what they're going to do, if that's what, if they, so if they're going to be right wing, fine. But then you need to kind of make some demands mm. <laughs> while you're in there that, cause there's nothing about being a free market neoliberal git that means you also have to be racist. That's not inevitable. No. They, they could do that and not be racist. And so if you're going to be in with that club, that's the only thing. educate them. I might argue with that point. Though, because I feel like the only, I mean, one of the biggest things about racism is the uh, process of dehumanizing the black and brown aesthetic, which mm. enables you to exploit the people from these areas and the resources in those particular areas. So you have, which provides a basis for capitalism. Mm. So even though it doesn't serve you to be racist, but at the same time, they almost kind of need to be. There needs to be that internalized self hatred for somebody to be able to suspend critical thought and allow for this kind of thing to take place. There has to be some level of paradox in your mind whereby you want to follow this manifesto and the tenets of this party to the T, but then by doing so, you would not be where you are. So there's a certain level of cognitive dissonance, which is also typical of somebody who believes in, like, Racial hierarchy. Yeah, I, I guess on some level, I kind of feel like we all have that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of... Um, but anyone who's had to, you know, grow up or thrive or subsist within a capitalist economy will hold some of these ideas. And within a kind of racist yeah. country. So I kind of had an interaction with a, a colleague, respected colleague from the FT, who was talking about Corbyn and anti-Semitism and kind of you know, wouldn't it be reasonable for people to say, well, we want a caretake government, but not him. But anyway, because he's tainted with anti-Semitism. And my, my, my feeling was that bad people vote for people who are tainted by racism all the time. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't an expectation mm, that yeah. kind of, you know, Bill Clinton, who flew down to Arkansas just before the election in 92 to execute Ricky Ray Robinson a man with uh, such diminished mental capacity was eating his last meal and was told it's time to go Ricky and he said I haven't finished yet I'll just have it when I get back yeah I'll save the dessert for later yeah I'll save for and, later and Clinton says 
They won't get me on crime anymore. And um, black people went out and voted for him and loved him. Turned him on, he used to be referred, to the, he was referred to the black president yeah. for many times as a comedian. Wow. I'd see a lot of people mid-90s who mm. referred to him as a black president because he got his dick sucked and he had played a saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, Blair and his Islamophobia and kind of, mm. you know, and all of that. And still large, like, so, and my point wasn't like, suck it up. It's just that kind of, I, I, I've never had that expectation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That yeah. there would be a leader who wasn't like, tempted Like by Justin Trudeau, we were like, maybe this guy. And then yeah. he, did, he did blackface. Then we were like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's a politician, though. So, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was like, <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. Come Justin, on. come on, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, really interesting question. Black yes. Tories. Um, I mean, my suggestion for Black Tories would be to fuck the fuck off. <laughs> and Dane's going to be, where are you running again? Uh, for uh, 2024. 2024. <laughs> uh, I, or I will be working on the either the Malia Obama campaign or the Michelle Obama campaign. <laughs> and that'll be against one of many different uh, Trumps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or the, could, uh, the Trump clones. Put that on a t shirt. Michelle, fuck, yeah. Fuck the fuck off. Fuck the fuck off. <laughs> You fucking Good. fucks. Good. <laughs> well, we really got somewhere, listeners. Yeah. Right, really down the middle. Um, <laughs> I like that question a lot because I think it's something that's people got people th- you're thinking a lot about race and politics. Mm. It's an interesting thing, and I think my question probably feeds into that, but mm-hmm. very much skewed in the direction of America because mm-hmm. uh, Gary, you've you've done lots of good stuff about America, uh, and and I follow American politics as Dane knows probably almost closer than <laughs> British politics because it, it's more fruity, I'd say, yes. uh, generally. And I, I, I do my NPR podcast, I listen to that. Mm. Uh, I listen to The Daily with Michael Barbaro. I don't know if you listen mm. to that, but like, there's some good American. And, and the thing that keeps coming up uh, is, uh, and I think Trump said this recently, is that, oh no, he quoted a Fox journalist who said, uh, if they impeach Trump, uh, it will make uh, a second civil war. Mm. happen mm-hmm. and, and my question to you is will there ever be or is there an impending second civil war and what does it look like or is it already going on so i don't think they've actually got over the first civil war yet mm. i actually honestly think that this in a way is what this is about mm. people kind of there is a notion of america as being a hyper modern country and all of that but it was a slave state for 200 years an apartheid state for 100 years it's only been a non-racial democracy it's still racist as hell but non-racial democracy for 55 years so the, the civil war which kind of which ended i really don't want to cut you i also would like to add that uh, lynch only became a federal it only became illegal to lynch people as a federal law uh, in 2018. Right. And I, I remember interviewing a guy just on that, uh, interviewing a guy, it would have been 2003. This was a guy who'd become an anti-racist, Buford Posey, his name was. And um, he said, um, I didn't even know that it was illegal to kill a black man until I was 18. You know, so this is kind of... Um, uh, so the, the Civil War, which was fought over um, slavery and the mm. right to kind of own slaves, and uh, the the South lost, the slave owners uh, lost, and then there was an accommodation with them through kind of, uh, there was a little period, a little flourishing period where equality might have been possible, called the year of Reconstruction. Then they closed it all down again. That's when the Klan... Mm. kind of uh, resumed and there was a kind of thing that you can keep your racism so long as you don't call them slaves uh, 
Mm. And then that started, you know, the next hundred years of kind of formal segregation. And that's what's unraveling now. So I feel like we're still dealing. I don't want to do a Deng Xiaoping thing, you know, when, you know, what do you think the... Uh, how would you analyze the French Revolution? He says, too early to tell, you know, <laughs> kind of 200 years <laughs> later. But I do think that this is the unraveling of that historical process. A settler state in which Native Americans were slaughtered and African Americans were bought, and they haven't really found a way to unpick that. And And the thing that, you know... I've been noticing, I think we all have for the last couple of years, is that th- there was always such a, you know, racial politics in America. And now there is this big thread of Hispanic mm. political uh, discussion, I guess is the nicest way of saying it, that is going to course through the veins of that country like mm. they've never seen before, right? Because he's brought that to the surface, Trump. <laughs> Well, yeah, all of these people that they brought in to do all the shit work for nothing, uh, or, or for very little, black people for nothing, literally. And, uh, well, I think around 2042, the, the birth rate keeps changing. They're going to be a majority. And th- th- this is an expression of that, the white settler state that arranged for this massive kind of um, inward migration or capture, Hmm. um, well, they're going to take over. Or they're going to take over. They're going to be outnumbered. And Trump is the kind of, I don't know that he's the final hurrah, but he's the kind of most emblematic kind of um, expression of the terror that white America is feeling and felt, yeah, even though Obama didn't right? do that much, that they felt under Obama. Oh, that's the reason, that's the reason why Donald Trump was able to rise to power, mm. I think, was the fear of Obama. And mm. uh, as far as I know from your point, uh, I agree in terms of it never ended so mm. for it to be, begin again. But it's, uh, it says uh, Gary saying, you are now seeing the unraveling, as I said, of what I refer to as this Emperor's New Clothes Complex, where I would say, uh, maybe editorially and socially, just for white Anglo-Saxon Protestants to hear about how they are viewed by the rest of the world has been a culture shock that they were not prepared for. Mm-hmm. So whether that's in the form of a uh, new wave uh, feminism narrative or like, you know, LGBT issues being, being, being chronicled and having, you know, a platform now, we've all had this private joke about your quintessential racist, regressive white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, but they never, they had the, pri- the biggest privilege they had was never knowing this. Mm. And now that we have a platform whereby the disc, the disc, uh, content with, uh, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue You can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I guess the state of things mm. is not something these people have had to see. So would they be able to help views, but even if they may have been moderately prejudiced or mm. even if they're very extreme, the privilege of being able to hold those views and have those views validated, particularly by mainstream media, is something they no longer have. And so now, I mean, and the funny thing being that it's actually Donald Trump himself who is the first to ridicule mainstream media for yeah. misrepresentation, mm. where we all know, but that's always been probably one of the greatest weapons that white supremacy has had, mm. has been how the media portrays members of diaspora, former chattel all over the world. And um, I feel it is definitely about this unraveling mm. because, you know, being that racism is a... It's a religious ideology because there's no, and I said it in terms of there's no scientific mm. or biological basis for it because to prove the existence of race can't be done. Mm. And also the idea, miscegenation laws aren't necessarily to do with anything religious as they may have, it's to do with the fact that people who have created this aesthetic of the perfect human being or a master race will not see that represented phenotypically if they mate with somebody of another race. So essentially now people are realizing that well, if a white person and a black person or a brown person have sex, it's more likely their children will look a lot more black and brown. And, or mulatto as they're described in the US, which again is, moves away from this uh, idealized image of whiteness. Mm. Then, like I said, because you have projected these ideas of Judeo-Christian ideas of religion onto like working class black and brown people and, you know, whether Protestantism kind of ruled North America and Catholicism of the South, you have like members of the Hispanic or Latinx community who have ideas that are more rooted in Catholicism, as well as the fact of that course. they they come from backgrounds whereby because they historically have a higher mortality rate in childhood, you are incentivized to have a lot more children. Mm. And ideas like having a lot of children and having a large family are still held within, as we said, these uh, historically uh, socially conservative communities. This all culminates in the fact that I said you're going to have a reduction in birth rates amongst white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. And some people feel like this is their extinction. Mm. And so essentially you are dealing with a mindset of people who are like tigers being backed into a corner, fearing their own ext extinction. And, and the thing that makes that slightly more worrying, I'd say in America than in the UK, yeah. is gun laws. Like the gun laws well, element the, is the, the gun, bit well, that but makes the, it but the gun, really the gun thing, but, that's the, but the gun thing is not twisted because the gun thing is completely the, the part of it is that mm. You have a bunch of people who have, who based an entire war and, in, and created an entire seceded nation or a confederacy of states under the premise that we are better than these people. These people are not human. They are three fifths of a human being. They are referred to as black or negro because that etymologically means that they have no demonym. They are from no country. And therefore, if you are not of a country, you being kidnapped and brought to another country would normally be considered an act of war. But because you're not a human being, we're able to circumvent these laws in the same way that like after the Geneva Convention for a country to invade another country with a standing army is illegal. Therefore, Iraqi soldiers are not referred to as soldiers. They're referred to as insurgents hmm. because the letter of the law is very important when it comes to dealing with European culture. 
So if you kidnap people from Nigeria, you kidnap Nigerians, that is an act of war because you are kidnapping human beings and engaging in trafficking. If you don't refer to them as people and just call them black, there's no country called black, so you're able to do this. So now what you're finding is after, I guess, slavery ended, I guess, narratively ended, mm. then you have an entire lot of people who now know that they are not able to compete with people who have the competence of being able to work for free tirelessly all day. So before industrialization, mm. and industrialization was one of the factors that actually contributed towards the civil war as opposed to just ending slavery. But essentially now you have an entire glut of people who are able to work for very li- relatively very little and to a higher level of productivity than you. So if you are a working class white American, you're not going to be able to compete with the next slave because this motherfucker's used to working for free. Mm. So now you have these people who are now potentially more productive than you are have more resonance than you do. Mm. And the main thing being, when you have people whose ideas and root beliefs systems are historically military, as well as being rooted in Christianity, as far as they're concerned, this is a whole group of people who were done wrong. And they're going to want their revenge. And, and we don't know when. And so it doesn't happen to us. We need as much guns as possible. Because if they get guns too, mm. we're fucked. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the, th- I mean, America isn't possible without a gun. No. Right? Mm. You can't, I mean, they didn't just kill the Native Americans with the um, with the smallpox and, and, yeah, small and, and, and they, they they murdered them, and then you can't have an entirely kind of profitable economy run for as long as they did with enslaved people without the gun. Yeah. Like so, which, that, is, which is why it's not the level of segregation you observe in the mainland of America isn't to the same level as in the Caribbean, where in very many places, like Black Caribbeans outnumber mm. White Caribbeans or previous mm. plantation owners, but there's not the same level of military that you have in the in the states. And going back to you said about 20, 2044 did you say that twenty forty two around yeah. there keeps it's been edging up because the. Um, uh, Latino um, birth rate dropped a little bit, right. but it's somewhere around there. And which, incidentally, is around. I think this is right. It's around the same time that the Chinese economy is supposed to kind of grow larger than the American economy. And, and, and my question was going to be, uh, you know, if we are saying there are still these kind of aftershocks from the Civil War mm. going on now, what will it all look like by that point? Like, how do you imagine? <laughs> The state of the play out there to be. I mean, I think that, like here and Brexit, actually, there's everything to play for. Yeah. Because, first of all, there's a section of the white population that want to be liberated from white supremacy. There really is. There's a section of the white population that are like, we don't want this. Mm. Uh, And who thought of themselves as something different and are now struggling uh, with... um, uh, with this moment, and what we've seen with Trump is that um, the electoral response from Democrats, or f- the electoral response from whoever, was always inadequate. Yeah. Obama was inadequate. I mean, you know, he was the best that could be elected. I'd have voted for him if I had a vote, but he was inadequate. I mean, it, you know, it it didn't produce the changes that were necessary and so the hope curdled and you end up and what follows is is um is trump which is why you're seeing this kind of increase in 
particularly young Americans who identify with socialism, um, most of whom are white. Um, you know, Bernie, even Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren's doing really well. At, at the time of speaking, yeah. which is in uh, early October in 2019, yeah. definitely could change by the time this, <laughs> but people listen the, to this. But. You know, the kind of window of what it's possible to say and do has changed. And one of the things, I did a kind of series on the American left for The Guardian uh, kind of a couple of months ago, um, and um, the degree to which Democrats were no longer saying, lots of them were no longer saying, we just need to get rid of Trump. They were saying that this, what he has exposed are deep, a deep level of dysfunction. Mm. And whoever we choose has to deal with that dysfunction. So it's not just like who's up, who's down. American politics can be really, really boring in mm. terms of who's up, who's down, who's got the this key demographic. And it, but this was kind of like mm. something far more kind of people are uh, people I never thought would say this. You know, when when it gets onto the non-voter thing. Mm. And it used to be, people are so lazy, and if you want change, then you're going to have to do it. And people saying, people need a reason to vote, and the reason they're not voting has got nothing to vote for. I hadn't heard that among relative moderates before. So I think there's a sea change. And so when you say what that will look like, Mm. I think that's what's in play now. People like Andrew Yang, who I've worked with. I like him, yeah. Yeah. I like like, like some of his ideas. Whether he's the right guy or not, but anyone offering universal basic income is a... It's certainly that widening of the the political spectrum that's a a kind of mainstream discussion. The the idea is... Is wild to most yeah. people, but lots of people are getting behind it. I think. I, I mean, I, mm. I think it's a good idea. I feel like the civil war has continued, and again, I think when you are founding a nation under the pretext of capitalism, you're always going to have war because the main war will be the binary one of the haves and the have-nots. Because as it exists in its most rawest form, capitalism is a zero-sum game. So, for somebody to gain, someone has to lose. Mm. So, there's always going to be war in that respect. So far as how capitalism operates, when we see it. I think the main battle within this war, within the next three to, I guess, four years, is going to be the battle for of powers as they exist versus the people. Mm. As you guys are saying, I think we've reached the apex of the systems that we have had post-war that have governed our existence in the West. Second World War, Second World War, yeah, yeah, that have governed our existence. We've gotten to the point where these are no longer they no longer Mm. function. I think global capitalism has gotten to a point where again because of the ecological impact of nothing else, cannot continue to function how it exists. Well, and because Amazon can get away with doing what they do, right? Well... On, on many levels. Well, exactly. So this... Uh, so I get the issue, I guess, is not necessarily... You could argue it's not racial rhetoric and it's not bipartisan politics. It's the fact that, really, we are dominated by, more than anything else, corptocracy and plutocracy. And this exists at a detriment to most people, whether they accept it or not. And I think that's going to be the next battle, is all of us being like... However you feel, the ability to feed your children, the ability to breathe clean air is a requirement of anybody irrespective of race, gender, sexual orientation. Mm. And until we get to that conversation, then we're going to lose the next battle. The question that keeps intriguing me, and this is true both there and here, is whether they'll ever run out of people to blame. (laughs) So, you know, when these people, their back's against the wall and they say, well, 
it's the Hispanics or it's the black people or it's the Chinese, the Chinese or the welfare, and the gays, but, yeah, travelers in the military, and, and and to the most absurd, like, um. If gay people get married, it will undervalue, it will devalue straight marriage. Yeah. And you're thinking, don't straight people have enough problems just to as well as like having 42%. But, yeah. but, then, but then that's what I mean. There's the duality of like, people, these are people who complain about lack of social care structures for children, American mm. children. And then people that are complaining about, you know, a portion of portion, portioning resources. But that, so then it's like, but then, you know, if you two gay people don't have kids, they'd probably adopt them. So then you are dealing with several problems all at once, <laughs> and, the, and the ongoing revenue stream for people that don't need to pay for certain things. Having kids. It. So it's like, how, how could you yeah. be opposed to this? Or the if, kind of, yeah, or the the abortion thing, where it's like, look, if you only cared for the children who were born, I might listen to you. <laughs> about yeah. your views of the children yeah, yeah, aren't born. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you're not providing... You're not arguing for universal childcare. Hmm. You're not calling to get rid of child poverty. Or even subsidising healthcare. For, yeah. Or, you, know, or, you know, or increasing salaries of paediatricians. So you fucking hate children. Yeah. But you want these people to... to you want to force these people to have them so that you can what? Then exploit them? Well, or what? I'm a crazy comedian. I think so they, can have, they can have access to stem cell research because I think these twisted plutocratic fucks want to live forever. <laughs> and I think that's why they don't want to throw away abortions because they throw away embryonic tissue or fetal tissue. They can't do the research to make themselves live forever. Cloning. How is that a thing? If you, in the UK, That's we are supposed to, be, be we're supposed, to, we're supposed to be secular and we're supposed to be, you know, I believe in, you know, the tenets of Darwinism and everyone's like, loves Richard Dawkins, but then we have cloning when you're reintroducing mm. negative alleles into our gene pool. And then in America, again, it's like, well, I guess, I mean, you get, you probably walk if you do incest as opposed to, you know, mm. the incest, the enforcing of incest laws versus miscegenation laws. <laughs> It's very disproportionate. So <laughs> discuss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the next question. No. <laughs> well, thanks for entertaining that question. I've been fascinated about it for uh, for quite a while. It's good. It's coming, man. I mean, well, even even cyber warfare. Like th- yeah. this is how the election was won. Was cyber warfare. Yeah. So you know, the next Cold War might be an interesting one. So I mean, an interesting point to the kind of two things that you mentioned was the coming civil war and the guns. Is mm. that. Uh, it's a couple of facts not widely known. It's just the number of people who have guns is actually going down. Hmm. But the number of guns is going up. Wow. Which means that you That's have crazy. an increasing, a growing number of people who have big arsenals. Stockpiling. Yeah. Um, and that's been trending that way for kind of nine I think nine, ten years now. Which wow. sounds scary, but if it makes you feel better, Howard, remember that most people end up killing their own family members in their own homes. Well, that's so, right. So, you know, that so. could work out okay. Also, let's not, <laughs> let's not leave out opioids, because that's a real issue too. That's a real issue. That's a real <laughs> Happy bad Happy American chats. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's time for Dane's final, the final question, which the is final always, question. always Dane's question. Yeah, so there's a final question. I feel like I have a, a question in mind, but mm. I feel like the previous two have kind of answered those questions. Cool. And also, I feel like people would consider me to be quite a fatalist based on the conversations we are having. But I want people to know that this is like, I just feel like, you know, for people that have been able to observe the times of your baby boomers from up until millennials, for all of the troubles, 
comparative to our predecessors, we live in a time of relative peace. Mm-hmm. So I say that to say this, like it's going to get hard before it gets easier. So relax, guys. With that in mind, mm. you know, as I said, Gary, you are on the front lines uh, as well as being involved in these discussions, uh, which can be very trying. So I've, I've decided to make my question based on nominative determinism okay. uh, and ask, <laughs> what keeps Gary young? What keeps me? What do you feel keeps you young? What keeps me young? There's a certain level of resonance, I think, and vitality uh, required to be engaged in some of the conversations. Uh, and there's, the a, there's a portion of our listeners that are just deep, taking a deep yeah. breath and relaxing and, uh, into something slightly I'm, less serious. I'm, 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 and I put it to get your age, because you guys can't see this, but Gary has much more healthier hair than I do. And, uh, <laughs> and also a very cool, uh, uh, somewhat uh, nostalgic earring, which is, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's throwback. Cool. It's throwback. It's keeping it yeah. cool. It's all coming back. Uh, so I'm 50. That fuck off. That is unbelievable. That's outrageous. Yeah. That is outrageous. You are more than pulling off much younger. Like, I don't know. This know. podcast was a mistake. <laughs> My question should be Voodoo Gary? <laughs> like it? Um, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I've got two kids. One is six, one is 12. I don't feel young. I feel old. I feel old <laughs> chasing them around. And, um, uh, you know, I'm one of the oldest dudes in the playground, or at least I feel like one of the oldest dudes in the playground. I, I feel that what keeps people, one of the things that keeps people young is curiosity, being curious about the world, hmm. not thinking, never thinking, well, I know that. Hmm. I know that we've just had a long time ago. Oh, what about this? But kind of, um, hey, it was pretty heavy in curiousness, I'd say, the past 40 <laughs> minutes or so. But kind of, you know, that we don't know how these things turn out. Yeah. Kind of, well, let's go see. You know, yeah. and so I, I, I don't know that it keeps me young particularly, but I've not, I've never got bored. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of like, I like... To Although, Gary, your parents are from Barbados, so you're not, you're not really allowed to be bored. <laughs> no, I know, that's true. If I get bored, I get bored. <laughs> you can't say that. Yeah. You can't say you're bored. Yeah. There's books all over the house. There's yeah. no excuse. Yeah. You're bored. Yeah. You're too bored to do the garden. Exactly. Yeah. There's always somewhere you can busy yourself. <laughs> been there. Um, uh, I mean, how about you? What keeps you young? Um, very similar, I guess. I feel like it's uh, having interests which are... Unfettered by social convention. Well, so that I, I sounds like, kinky, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It does. It really does. But I like, I like the stuff I like. And I like, a little bit wrong. Yeah, yeah. But, then, but that's the thing. But because I know that they cause no harm or loss to anybody, I am happy to indulge mm. uh, whatever my vices are. But I mean, but, I mean, my vices are like I watch like cartoons. Like one of my favorite cartoons is The Adventures of Gumball. <laughs> it's I, a great I, show, really well written really, by really good comedians. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so it's uh, people I mean, would often overlook sh- that yeah. show, but it's really good. good show. So I watch a lot of cartoons and stuff because I feel like they represent that mindset of uh, still being able to identify with these themes mm. and be able to have some level of escapism, which doesn't involve me compromising my integrity for mm. an employer. It's an attachment to a bit of your life that was youthful. I think. Yeah, I think that would be something that we all, and mm. maybe you guys can tell me differently, but you've just said one, but. I played computer games with mm. a bunch of friends from school the other night mm. for seven hours. It could happen, Seven it? hours. Wow. Yeah, now, after it, I was like, well, I'm not going to need to do that anytime soon. I can tell you that much. But 
having said that, I think I will book it in for a few mm. months' time because it's just a bit of I think there's a teenage a, nostalgia. Yeah, I don't know if you have things that you do that bring back teenage nostalgia. Or I, I, sorry, so podcast is an example. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I always say this. I think I think a big part of their appeal is that they allow for older people, extennials, to uh, observe the same kind of social interaction that they would have as kids like hmm. it's almost like it's like a slumber party like you're exchanging hmm. ideas and secrets it's quite revelatory you get to talk about more about stuff in depth than you normally would in a conversation hmm. in a professional setting and you know when we're living in the current times of being cash rich and time poor and hmm. trying to find your way in the service industry hmm. I feel like th- it, this is what appeals to people this is a part of them that they lose and it yeah. you know, makes them feel quite young to be able to like almost drop off asleep hearing a conversation amongst people whose voices they kind of trust yeah so I think that definitely helps. I like to uh, probably the richest point of connection with my son, who's twelve, and mostly just thinks I'm a dig. <laughs> think, I think that's means you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Sounds like a healthy relationship. Yeah, healthy to me. Is um, when we watch Will Ferrell films uh, because, and I think he. Receives it and says, I, I think they're really funny. I laugh like a child. I kind of rewind it. We might, let's watch that bit again. Yeah. And that kind of, um, uh, and it's a point of connection. He actually is a child. (laughs) I have the humor of a child. And, uh, so we can actually do with, there aren't that many things that, and he's savvy. There aren't that many things that you can, really do together mm. do you know what I mean like because either you're too old or they're too young and there's a little moment where you might play football and you might be kind of more or less the same or mm. whatever and then you get too old and then you know mm. they're bigger than you but this this is um, there are a bunch of films and Seinfeld my son likes Seinfeld oh wow, I think great. that I feel like you've achieved a yeah, lot my, there, mate. yeah, yeah my, my, I can I can I can die happy you've got to get this kid because he's a shit himself now he has a certain level of discernible taste where his <laughs> comedy is concerned so you, proud you, you have to on both mine and Dane's recommendation watch Idiocracy Idiocracy oh goodness me yeah, yeah, yeah. for a man of your uh, intellect to see how someone does a comedy film with that kind of pertinence of, okay. of thought is uh, Beavis and Butthead always looked to people like it was stupid mm. it really wasn't it was a really oh, clever oh no it was really clever it was a really clever show but Idiocracy is his masterpiece in my opinion yeah. Uh, but yeah Very watching good. stuff he did the, Mike Judge did um, he did the one set in Texas as well didn't he oh. um, what was it called um the King of the Hill. Oh, of course, yes, 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 yes. Did. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which and, they, and, they, and you know, they. And I remember an episode when uh, I think uh, Hank had spoken about voting for George Bush Junior. Mm. Um, and you know, it was very well dealt with. <laughs> yeah, it's a seriously well clever with. show. Seriously mm. clever, clever guy. Yeah. I mean, I used to say that doing sport would keep me young, uh, and now my knees are so made of straw. Oh, that, that shot yeah, well, I don't man. think I could ever do that again. Really. really? So I've lost that. I think I think the one thing you can definitely tag into this kind of what keeps people young. Uh, I've heard mm. you know, Gary do it this evening many times. Is, is laughter? Yeah, you know when you have a really good night with someone you mm. friends with. You know, maybe it, maybe it involves alcohol, maybe it doesn't, maybe it involves whatever. Who knows? But you, when you really feel like you've laughed, I just feel like a, my lightness in my step. I don't know if you feel that way, but it's a, it's an amazing feeling. 
Yeah, I think I think yeah, it's a it's a big part of the appeal. Well, it's the best medicine, and and you know, youth is the most desired medicine. Yeah. I'd say for most people. So, I mean, there's also and this you may be late to on account of being the only one due to the table moisturizer. <laughs> So true. <laughs> I'm so a true. Jew, so I'm naturally very neurotic and have, you know, a selection of moisturisers at home. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. We're talking yeah. elbows and knees. No, no, no. 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 We're talking full body. Full body, body. Full full body. body moisturiser. Cocoa, cocoa, cocoa butter. Yeah, cocoa butter, shea butter. The whole body. Yeah. The whole body. In fact, wow. I've, it may even evolve to using maybe coconut oil or shea butter because it has no parabens in it. Really? And therefore reducing, you know, the opportunity. Because yeah, if, if your kids have like dermatitis mm. or any think dermatological it can be sometimes their body trying to react in uh with the immunity to like vaseline and stuff mm, yeah. that's my message to black people is that we no longer use have to use petroleum jelly mm. we shouldn't even be putting something <laughs> that starts with petroleum on our bodies yeah most thing, autoimmune it? things start off with a mucus buildup so mm. yeah try to avoid using anything with parabens anything you can't yeah. pronounce on the back of a bottle yeah. you probably don't need to be using it but moisturizers all over it's, it's really it's all it's it's right up there with religion for black people. It is. This doesn't come up on this conversation. Which is, it's, it's, it's our equivalent of like, you know, if you turn to Mecca and pray three times a day, it's like, <laughs> if you're going to shower, you have to moisturise. You have to moisturise. And uh, every now and then, you know, I'll be at a friend's house, at, you know, and they'll say, no, you can shower my house, and I'll shower, and I'll be like, have you got any moisturiser? I'll be like, no. I'd be like, well, how do you how, how do, you, do live? you live? How do you live? What, what, what <laughs> is that? It'd be like if he said he didn't have a cooker. Pretty much. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like it'd be like the nineties and not having a Nokia charger. <laughs> like, it's, it's insane. It's like, what kind of it's person are you? It's like do you have do you have coconut oil? Yeah, we mm. use it for pad thai. Not tonight, you don't. <laughs> It's moisturizer is a, it's a real big deal. It's yeah. uh, it's oh. and it's because you know your skin loses a lot of moisture due to transpiration, and moisturizer stops that. And we're more susceptible to that in this climate, which is why with most black people, a big dilemma is when you go on a short haul flight, oh, where you can yeah. only take like fifty milliliters of something. What am I going to do with that? Why do I, I look know. suspicious? Because I haven't been able to cream myself for three days, <laughs> and I don't know the German for yeah for, cocoa, for, for cocoa bar. So maybe that's why I look disheveled and suspicious. It's because my skin is flaky off into my clothes <laughs> and I feel myself rotting so yeah I mean I have mild eczema which as a child was a, a major I don't know if you your I, kids I have have, massive yeah, massively yeah. and and and, and, uh, and the working out the bottles to what to take of my mm. support system as I would describe it for, yeah. for what is Currently, pretty reasonable skin. Doing well, doing real well. That Mediterranean Jewish thing going on. Might be you know tough. I mean? like, <laughs> going to be tough this week at the time of recording, though. Because the, the rain, but the rain, 16 degrees, though, so yeah, some weird humidity. It's tricky. And you get on the public transport, and it's like, oh, that's going to flare up with yeah. the heat. Um, but uh, it's interesting, actually, that uh, when I do have an attack, I feel like an attack mm. of like, oh, my God, I'm itchy. Uh, it makes me feel as paralyzed as the six-year-old who was at primary school. I, I had a really good, because I, I had eczema pretty bad. On my wedding day, I bought a spare shirt because right. I thought I was going to bleed. I could easily have bled through. Oh, right, wow. And um, I remember one of my colleagues who had eczema, and he was talking about the that scratch. That oh. he and he said, it's like a, it's the poor man's orgasm, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> you God, kind yeah. of, you know, <laughs> Right, when you get right there in the, in, the, in, the, in the flex oh, oh man God, yeah I used to come in to work and uh, during this period and just shake out my uh, my keyboard 
first thing I would do was just shake it out because it would just be full of dead skin. From, uh-huh. Yeah, it was quite extreme. To be fair, seventy yeah. percent of all dust is human skin. Yeah, so is that right? Do, yeah, I think about forty percent of that is mine. <laughs> yeah. My tips to all for people any, suffering from any or eczema, psoriasis or yeah. eczema, and and this is purely a coping mechanism as opposed to get your shower routine right. As in, what do you what do you put on before and after? And that could be a few different things for a few different people. Plus, when you're having those moments where you're like, I think I'm going to end up scratching pre the, the scratching fit, go for an antihistamine and one paracetamol style tablet. Oh, and that, that will just knock you down a little bit. Right. And, I, and I, I can tell you that the, in terms of the proper like, mm. I haven't had it for years. I would like to add that uh, maybe try uh, staying away from animal tissues like bovine and stuff. So my eczema mm. came from... Uh, uh, lactose intolerance. Okay. So try switching to an alternative. Uh, stay the fuck away from anything with parabens in it. So mm. uh, you're on E45. Maybe try and shower with Sanex. Mm. But just things without that aren't perfumed. Mm. But Johnson's yeah. baby lotion is not your friend. If you have, yeah. if you're, if you eczema, mm. anything perfumed or particularly perfumed mm. is not your friend. So mm. try and keep stuff hypoallergenic as possible. And yeah, just and yeah, no, and no Vaseline. Goodness me! The thing that did it for me was uh, it was the Chinese Chinese medicine, mm, which really? yeah, it was, and it was there were these roots that I had to bore. It was absolutely disgusting. Made the house smell disgusting. Mm. And then there was there, and some of it just felt logical to me. There was night. I had they gave me night cream and day cream. Right. So your body's doing different things at night. This is the only thing I've ever gone to Chinese uh, mm. herbalists for, but I think that the kind of because I think eczema is about flow and what's inside coming outside. Exactly that. that kind yeah, of stuff. exactly that. Yeah, it felt kind of it, there was a and know, it there was a logic. Yeah, no, it really did. I mean, it was pretty brutal. There was about <clears throat> brutal insofar as I had to stay off prawns, chocolate, coffee. Ooh. Alcohol, right? I know. I was like, just throw sex in, just get yeah, it all done. You might as well, since I yeah. can't live. <laughs> I know. I mean, I d- I've got one tale to tell about the Chinese. Do- I mean, was it you? Did you go under recommendation of someone to this doctor, or did you just find a doctor? They were at the top of the street. I was at the end of my tether, so I was see, I had that experience, but I would say I had the reverse right. experience of success, where I went in. And I said, look, I've got really bad experience. Really, I'm really suffering at the moment. I think I was out of work at the time. And mm. I was really suffering. And, and they were like, okay. And this <laughs> this woman said, like, my, and I, I'm really not, you know, this is me telling you exactly what happened. I'm not making this up. The woman who served me said, okay, I'm just going to go and get my uh, colleague who's a doctor. And she went into another room. And I'm genuinely serious. She put on a pair of glasses and a doctor's coat and came back out. And pretended to be the doctor. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Pretended to be the doctor, <laughs> and then took me into uh, a room where she took me, got me to take my top off, and then she got a magnifying glass, and you just really closely examined my skin with this magnifying glass, and then gave me a hundred and forty-two pounds worth of cream. Wow. To which I said, "Can I have half of that? Because I think I'm going to test it out," uh, and it didn't work. Yeah, I no. think that I think there was a bit of a clue with the glasses. It was only, the, it was because I was so desperate. I was like, well, maybe she's got and she, and, she, and she saw that. Yeah, the manager was probably be out. She was probably cleaning. You came in there. <laughs> I was like, madam, I'll pay anything to solve this. I'll buy a tiger dick. And she was like, all right. 
Let me get a doctor. I'll be right back. Honestly, it was unbelievable. I think that's one of those things where kind of people <laughs> try to leverage by racism so they think, you think we all look the same anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the fuck do you know? That's it, I'm that's just going to go in there, put in some glass, pour in a cup. What that's the fuck it. do you I'm know? Pre- yeah. Prejudice privilege. <laughs> and there the podcast goes full circle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been a great episode. It's been a great episode. And, and I love the fact that well, your first answer to what keeps you young was to technically question everything. Mm. To maintain your curiosity. Um, so it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, Gary. <laughs> Thanks for having uh, me. Where can people find your work and where can we can we find your books if you um, download them? I mean bookshops um uh online I I like bookshops I I want to steer people towards bookshops. Um my last book which is about all the children who were shot dead in America in one day. I just took a day at random and then found out who they were and uh, spoke to everybody who knew them, parents, preachers, teachers, a- anybody. Um, so that's not one for your honeymoon or for mm. a kind of summer holiday, but it's getting into winter. It's a good winter book, I yeah. think. And it's about their lives and not just their deaths. Yeah. And I would say um, the Martin Luther King book about the speech is short <laughs> mm. and kind of pacey. Mm. And if you don't know the story of that, speech the i have a dream speech and i'm not giving a whole lot away here but the fact that the i have a dream stuff wasn't in the speech how it got into the speech Mm -hmm. the fact that the night before guy said to him one of his chief lieutenants said don't do the i have a dream thing it's old it's tired you need to come Mm -hmm. up with something new and he wrote the speech out longhand and in speech that everybody got all the press got it wasn't in it uh, wow. And the story of how it got in it is an interesting one, and uh, mm. it's, it's a big part of this bit. And it, it wasn't actually the most memorable speech of the day either. That went to John Lewis, uh, the youngest dude, and there was a big fight behind the Lincoln Memorial about whether he could say what he was going to say because it was so radical. Wow. And that was the speech actually that most people went away really remembering. One advert for the book. Great book. Go and check, check when, it out. When it is adapted into a film, could you please consider me? <laughs> <laughs> Gary, thank you. Thank, thank you. It's a real pleasure. Such ups and downs and fun and no, but It's, it's been really chat. good, man. It's been, it's been great. And uh, please, uh, if you have the time, uh, please come to a show. It'll be great to see you. I'd love to. Fantastic. I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him at danebaptweets. Our guest was Gary Young. You can follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Young. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at the Howard Cohen. Thanks to Polly and Gelly. Hey, if you like what you've been listening to, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Thanks for listening. And remember, question everything. 